Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast is dedicated to supporting the Summit League and its student-athletes by commending their accolades and talking hoops. This podcast is hosted by a washed-up NAIA golfer, avid sports fan, and jackrabbit at heart, Madison Van Walligan Boston. Billboards, Wonder Wonderland Camp or whatever, Wonderland something. I don't know, but West River is different. There was two that I noticed a lot of. Um, I don't know why I've never, but Al's Oasis and then the uh, Firehouse Brewery in Rapid. I think they have at least 12 to 15 fire trucks just sitting in fields next to every single one of those billboards. Fantastic. Love it. All right, I'm going to do this intro. Oh, okay. Do you want like background music for me and Brandon? (laughs) (laughs) My background music is so much better than that. I remember when we first started doing the pods, Jordan, and you let me try to edit the first one and I sent you my edit and you were like, dude, the music is fire. And I was like, thanks, man. It was my fourth choice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that was the biggest confidence boost to me. (laughs) Um, no, that was your fourth choice, not mine. I don't, I, I listened to it. I was oh, like, I see what you're saying. Either <laughs> way, it definitely boosted my confidence. So. Wait till next year when I come back with a vengeance. All right. Welcome back to Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast. We have former and hopefully future regular co host of RTS and also the host of the brand new The Howl, um, all encompassing USD podcast, Jordan Decker, JD605 with us in the building tonight. We also are fortunate enough to have the host of the Thundering Herd Hoops podcast, Brandon Geffrey, on with us. What's up, boys? Good evening. Good, Good evening. <laughs> also, also top of the evening or bottom of the evening, depending <laughs> how you look at it. Good evening. Are you Regis Philbin or somebody? It was very uh, like, I love Regis. I took a picture of his star on the Walk of Fame when I was in LA. I'm not like <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with my grandma. It's a great show. I used to have like three books that had trivia in it, and I would read that walking back from school. Really? Yeah. They have like, page like... by page like question leading up to from one hundred all the way to the million. Of course, after you get to sixty four thousand, I would absolutely cheat. Um, <laughs> do you know any like useless like trivia like just random well, can you give us a random fact off the top of my head no this was like 20 years ago you don't have a, brandon do you have a random trivia fact i have so much meaningless knowledge in my head that i just destroy <laughs> like popular culture like random whatever trivia but i off the top of my head facts no not like i can sit at trivia and just i'll just There'll be some random off the wall question. I was like, oh, that's so and so. And 
I don't know where it comes from. I have no idea. But yeah, I got a lot of useless knowledge up in this noggin. That's that's for sure. Do you want to hear my random trivia fact? Dad jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, my random trivia fact: What is the um plastic thing on the end of your shoelace called? A snack. I honestly have no <laughs> what? idea. It's called an aglet. Do you know how I know that? Well, it, it goes was through on an, an episode, eyelet, so I guess that makes sense. It was on an episode of Phineas and Ferb. They sang a whole song about it. <laughs> hey, is Phineas and Ferb the My Shiny Teeth and Me? Um, I don't know. Let's Google it. I don't remember that. Damn, that is a banger. And it is included on our morning songs playlist at our household. No, it's Timmy Turner. It's it's what? um this says Timmy Turner. Fairly odd parents? Yeah, fairly odd parents. I am ashamed that I got that wrong because I grew up I love fairly odd parents. That's probably why you knew the song. Why did I Brandon's think Brandon's just over here like you two whack jobs? <laughs> Welcome to Reaching the Summit Podcast. <laughs> Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast, sponsored by Madison's Glass of White Zinfandel. Okay. And financing for weekdays on Disney Plus. <laughs> what do you got for us? All right. Well, boys, it's tournament week. I Finally. fly out in in like two days. Thank God. Um. Yeah, I'm super excited. I hope you guys are excited too. We're gonna do all the tournament talk tonight. We're gonna start with the seeds. So this is where everybody is at, locked in, going into the tournament. Number one, our 18-0 undefeated South Dakota State. Number two, North Dakota State. Number three is North Dakota. Number four is South Dakota. Five is Oral Roberts. Omaha is the sixth seed. Denver is the seventh seed. St. Thomas, eight. Nine, Western Illinois. And ten, Kansas City. So that's where we're at. Um, what, without revealing too much, because we're going to talk about all the matchups, do any of these seeds surprise you based on anything, based on the whole season, based on the end of the season? What jumps out at you? Good question. Um, what's Kansas City ranked? What's their seed? Yeah, what's their seed? Ten. That one's... Surprising to me in in the fact you wouldn't normally think surprising. Uh, I mentioned this. I think we had a group chat talked about teams that were the biggest surprise and a, maybe the biggest letdown. I think Kansas City was twenty three and nine or something like that last year. Yeah, Coach JC left. Um, you know, a couple of players moved on, but to go from that twenty three and nine to the bottom of the barrel, uh, I think was a little bit of a surprise for me that they dropped off that much i figured they'd be in the bottom half of the pack but all the way down at 10 uh did surprise me a little bit yeah and i believe they were picked six um in preseason so six to ten is a decent drop i yeah i'd say them um is omaha the six yes okay not a disappointment then they had a really good year yeah omaha that 
they had a they had a good year. I shouldn't say yeah. Really good. I I and honestly, I I thought they could have ended up if they could have won one of those couple of games where they were so close in the first half of conference mm-hmm. play. I, they could have ended up at four or five. I mean, they were they were right there, um, but just couldn't couldn't get over the hump on a few of those. But yeah, played well coming out of the bottom of the barrel the last couple of years. They they had a really good season. I have to defend Kansas City just a little um, because I get the like where they were last year and where they are now. But essentially, the same thing happened to them that happened to USD. They didn't lose maybe as much of their scoring, but they still lost Paige Bradford, Brooklyn McDavid, Naomi Alnatis, who is playing Power 5 like she could have been playing Power 5 four years ago. She, she should have been probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yes, on top of their coach. And then I think you bring in a coach who came from Texas, came from a big program. And I definitely think that but personally, I don't think that was the wrong choice. I think that Coach D is a great hire, but it's going to take time to get. I think she needs to get her own girls in there. You know, they lost a couple girls in the middle of the season, which is not ideal whatsoever. They never really had a consistent five players on the floor. And, and I don't Stafford, know. And Stafford, who's probably their best player, got mm-hmm. hurt, missed Correct. five, six games or whatever it was. So, yeah. Yeah. And without, honestly, without Mana Mensah, I, they would have been number 12 this year. You know what I mean? And, like, they were just, they were so. And to be honest with you, these last two weeks, they've played very competitive basketball. I mean. Correct. They're, they're at the 10 spot, but I, they're at 9 spot. What, 10? 9, 10? They're at 10. 10. It wouldn't surprise me if they beat Denver in on Friday night. I, um, I don't think they will, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, nothing else really surprises me, to be honest. I didn't think that USD would be as high as four. I thought they'd maybe find themselves at the six or seven based on the first 45% of the season, including the non-con. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm happy that they have figured it out. I wish everybody could figure it out. You know, I hate to see Kansas City at the bottom, but somebody's got to be there. Um, yeah. Well, the fact right that they finished where they did with all the injuries they had, too. I mean, for a stretch there, and I don't even know if they um, still have it, but they were only playing with eight gals. Yeah. And I think, non, I think the non-con, yeah. a lot of their non-con losses were, I mean, they were out there shooting like third, you know, thirty percent. They just, they just couldn't get yeah. shots to fall. They weren't necessarily playing bad basketball. I don't think they just were struggling to shoot a little bit, especially away from home. So, I don't necessarily know that they were down. They just, I think they were just figuring some things out with that many new players and a new coach and everything else. So, uh, I'm not surprised that they got up to the four. It's still USD. Uh, it's a quality program. They're gonna, they're gonna compete. Um, and they still had enough talent. Obviously, when you got Grace Larkins, who's my player of the year, I think she's a little bit of do everything, um, and probably the most consistent scorer in the league. So that'll that'll take you a long ways um, in in women's basketball in the Summit League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone besides Kansas City? I guess that was a bit of a disappointment for you. I thought Oral Roberts would play 
Oh, go yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry about that. I was just say I I thought Oral Roberts would f- be a little stronger than they played, um, but in watching some of their game, they just don't defend. They they really don't. Um, it, and you're not you're not going to win tough, close, contested games if you can't stop anybody from scoring. So, um, but based on you know they finished kind of in the middle of the pack last year. If you think. Maybe they'd improve a little this year, especially with the season Hannah Cooper had going from six or seven points a game to leading the league in scoring. I mean, you <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Um, and to see Teresa Moore and, and others there. So I thought they probably should have been the three or four, you know, finishing in the five, maybe a little disappointing. But again, the three, four, five, that section of teams is all pretty even. So it, it's not terribly surprising, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like their productivity is higher than it was last year. Um, Like, they could score. I mean, Kenny Jolipi could score the basketball, and they obviously don't have her anymore. But I feel like they are playing a little more, like, on the balanced end like SDSU is. Obviously not at that level, but they're, like, multiple – they have multiple people that can score. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's Ariel Walker, sometimes it's Delaney Nix, sometimes it's Hannah Cooper. You got Tirza down there in the paint. Like they have options and I don't feel like, I feel like they had options last year, but they just didn't know it. Um, but I think that the coaching change is probably part of that. Bless up to Misty Husson. I love you. I miss you. Um, but I do think that Kelsey music was a good, a good move because clearly, I mean, even that first game, they came out, came out of the gate without Tirza Moore and gave SDSU a run for its money a little bit. So I think their productivity is a little bit higher, but I do remember in the group chat us talking about um, kind of a high-octane offense and an inconsistent defense, like you said, Brandon. Yeah, I I mean, you looked at, I think, four, three of their first four games, they were scoring 90 or 100 points, but they were giving up. They averaged 103 points given up in those three of those first four games. I mean, you can't you, – it doesn't matter how much you score. If you can't stop somebody else from scoring, it's it's not going to get you anywhere. And that's kind of, I think it's kind of set the tone for the season. I think they play, a, you know, they're, I mean, they're not playing Oklahoma and those teams anymore, but um, I think they've settled in a little bit defensively, but, they, you know, I was at the NDSU ORU game last week and I mean, it was, NDSU had layups, you get wide open threes if you swing the ball back. They just don't move very well across the floor defensively. So if you can swing the ball on them, um, you're, you're going to get open shots. So um, as long as the team takes care of the basketball and moves on offense, you know, you can score on ORU pretty easy, but then you also have to stop them. So that's, that's the trick. Cause they, like, as you mentioned, they got um, all five players on the floor can score at any given time. One player is really, I, I'm not going to attempt her last name, uh, but Ruthie, 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 yeah, she. I was very impressed with her overall game um, in that game against NDSU. I think she, she's athletic, she's long, um, she plays well inside and out, and so I, she was one I wasn't very familiar with um, until I watched that game. And I, I mean, <laughs> when you got a team like ORU who scores that many points, and you got somebody like her who's not one of their primary scorers but still a really talented athlete, it says a lot about the quality of that team. I think. Yeah, I didn't want to get – when we were talking about freshman newcomer in the chat, I didn't want to get, like, slaughtered um, because I do <laughs> think that that's, that that's L. Evans all the way. But 
Um, I think that Ruthie is someone who's in contention for that and definitely on that all newcomer team because she's her game was insane. Yeah, no other other than that, I I mean I didn't the women's bracket I it's I don't think it finished that much different than I expected it to, to be completely honest with you, outside of Kansas City being at ten, but um the rest of it was fairly predictable, I think. Yeah, and we talked about at the beginning of the year too, like clearly the there was a one seed and then there was like a two through five that you could just intermix and then six through ten was like take your pick. Not like yep. it's six is that much better than ten. You know, there's just a, six through ten was a lot of teams that close games, they could beat up on each other. Um, I don't know without looking at the schedule, they probably split a lot between the two of them. Um, but I think it's similar to the men's, there was three tiers in the women's. Um, so yeah, as brothers, well, there's, there's like there's like two tiers and then an elite team is kind of kind of True. what it right. works out to well, be. Well, because then half, I mean. Halfway through the year, that two through five became like the two through eight. And then it was like yeah. the three through ten. Like everyone was just kind of everywhere. Excuse my wine pour here. I don't know if you can hear it or not. <laughs> yeah, no, that, so we that have... ex- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, that extension while you were pouring your wine of the uh, NDSU getting swept on the ORU Denver trip and... Mm-hmm. Uh, or not ORU, Omaha, Denver trip, and ORU getting Omaha. swept at home that same same weekend. Like you had pretty much, you know, NDSU, ORU, and then UND and USD were kind of sitting behind them, and then that weekend just everything just got completely lost in the shuffle because those two teams at two and three got swept on the, you know, one at home and one on the road, and um, that led to quite the wild finish. I think it, everything ended up kind of shaking out into close to the same manner, other than UND leapfrogging ORU by quite a bit. But um, that was a that was one interesting weekend in the league, that's for sure. Hey Madison, you remember my hot take of uh, before USD went up to North Dakota? Do you remember that? You're like, what's a hot take? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, if you had to have one, I said uh, maybe I don't know. USD gets swept by the North Dakota schools. And yeah, did you text what that to me? Happened? Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. shut my mouth. I mean, look at the chaos it caused. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but like that's the whole I know that people are so tired of me. Well, I think they're tired of me. That's my anxiety talking. Um, but like people are so annoyed with the whole like this league is cutthroat, this league is tough because people see SDSU at the top, or last year they see USD at the top, and or they see the separation between one through five and, and six through ten. And they're like, there's a clear leader. Like, this league isn't that tough. But if they literally will sit down, like, there's people on Twitter that will come at me and be like, oh, ORU is not that good. And I'm like, do you watch women's basketball, though? (laughs) Like, what? What are you talking about? People literally have... I'm not going to drop names. (laughs) But there there are some local South Dakota sports... uh, casters that have no idea what's going comments on. throughout the season like it's a down year and then people would comment and then they would agree like yeah you know state's going undefeated you know it's just it's a down year but it should propel them to get an at it, it, it was in regards to the at large i'm like okay they just i obviously we all agree like when a team goes undefeated if they don't win it like state or usd or whoever has proven themselves like an at large they should probably get at least a shot 
But anyways, it was in regards to that. And a couple of these guys were just like, and gals were like, yeah, the league's down. I'm like the same thing with you, Massimite. Have you watched you watch any other league? game besides your team? <laughs> Maybe like SDSU. <laughs> Have you have you uh, watched have you watched a North Dakota State play Oral Roberts? Have you watched UND play Denver? Like, have you watched these women play basketball? Because it's not a down league. Each year, overall, it gets better. Like, just because a team is six and ten doesn't mean they're trash. It look at look at how many games they lost by less than ten points or a single possession. Like, oh, it drives me insane. I'm with well, you because even I the... used to be one of those people until like four or five years ago, right? Like, right. It's just, even the, the like, there are people out there, SDSU fans or not, that will say, like, oh, like, when I'll put polls out, they're like, why is this even a poll? Like, SDSU is going to dominate St. Thomas. Just because SDSU is capable of dominating doesn't mean they're going to. Okay? Typically, yes. Or if it's USD, like, typically whoever is at the top of the league is, is at the top of the league for a reason. I'm not questioning right. that or crapping on that. But even in my interview with Jay, with AJ he caused me to kind of like change my perspective a little bit because I was in this space of like, yes, we need to watch out for the other teams because they know that they're good, but like, it'll be fine. Right. And I know that AJ for one is just not that type of guy. You can't be when you're a coach because that sends the wrong message to your players. But for two, like we're sitting here in this interview and he was like, I don't think there's a gap. He's like, if there is, it's in the standings, but he, he, he goes off. He's like, I didn't feel a gap when we were in a tight race at St. Thomas. I didn't feel a gap when ORU was chasing us in Frost at the beginning of the season, or I didn't feel a gap here. And I was like, okay, Aaron, pop off. Like, I hear you. Like, okay. I was, like, kind of starting to change my perspective a little bit. He was taking like his people... frustration of other media members out on you. Oh, no, he wasn't frustrated at all. I just I just feel like he doesn't usually show a lot of emotion. So for, for me to even get a little glimmer of – he was like, no, there's not a gap. Like, we're still fighting. We're still doing this. And, I, and he was like, we played seven power five opponents. And I was like, yes, you did. Like, give it all to me. But I don't know. I just feel like there's people that even the, even the Kansas City talk, like, on both sides, people are like, there's people that are like, oh, I'm disappointed. You know, they should be better. And it's like valid. And there's also people that are like, I didn't expect Kansas City to be good at all. And I'm like, did you watch them play? Or like and, when they were scaring NDSU two weeks ago, like did anybody see that? Like I just, I just don't get it. I don't get how you can. And tell me if I'm far off on this, guys. But this morning um, or this afternoon, I was looking at sitting in the parking lot of Al's Oasis, preparing for this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was the bill. The billboard just drew you in. You couldn't not stop. <laughs> they got me. Great marketing. They got me. <laughs> um, but I was looking at like the league leaders and stuff, and I was thinking under this point, like if this league is so down, why is the best team? And this is obviously up for uh, debate when you put teams on first and second team, right? So why is the best team in the league the most dominant? There's no other competition. Why do they have one, maybe two, in the top two teams? Like there are, it is so spread out amongst six or seven teams that they could have one or maybe a couple players on first and second team. Yeah. I like think if the, league, I, if the league was that down, like it, like maybe a few years ago where SDSU and USD had four of the top six players, it's just not the case. And I don't know if that's a good point or not, but that was just my observation of looking at I'm like, you have, you could potentially put two or Roberts on the first team. You could put 
two, uh, you know, couple NDSU girls, couple UND girls, like Denver. Yeah. Yeah. I think the elite talent in the league is very spread out. I think every, almost every team has somebody that could petition to be on first team all conference. Uh, the difference with SDSU is a primarily the experience. I mean, you got three fifth year girls there that played a boatload very of basketball and then, yeah, two is they're, they're very balanced scoring across the board. One girl, they don't have somebody that necessarily is going to score 25 or 30 every night because they have five players or six players that are going to score 10, you know, and one player is going to have 15 or 20. And that's just kind of the way they run their offense and the way they go about it. So they're the mm-hmm. most complete team. They're the most experienced team. And they got a coach who's been doing it for a while at that level. So that's what leads them to going undefeated. But to his point, you don't go. I mean, they came up to the first quarter in Fargo against NDSU and NDSU came out of the gate and worked him a little bit till they settled in. And it's, you can't, you can't settle in this league. The teams are good enough that if you aren't playing your best basketball, somebody's going to beat you. And that's, you know, that's a credit to the talent that's across the league. And yeah, I, I haven't been as dialed in uh, to the rest of the league until this year when I started the podcast. Um, but yeah, there's some really solid players across the league. Uh, I split up on different teams and, and tell you what, you put take the first team from the Summit League and put it up against first teams from some other conferences out there, and I give us every chance in the world to to go out and get a bunch of Ws against them. That there's no doubt about that. So, well, I feel like. Um... Jordan, to your point, because I don't want this to come off the way it's probably going to come off, but like (laughs) because SDSU has been so dominant this year, I feel like on the years where they're leading but not as dominant, and that goes for any team, you know, if I feel like on the the 16 and two years or the 15 and three years where they're still the, the outright number one, but not, you know, running everybody, taking them to the bus. I feel like it's not as easy to notice players on other teams, right? But because because everyone has written them off as the number one, which I don't know that I, like I said earlier, I don't know that I love this, like, oh, they're going to dominate. Let's not even think about them. Like, But because everyone's doing that, I feel like it's allowing people to be like, okay, let's put SDSU to the side for a minute and let's actually look at all these other teams. And then it's like, oh, you know, now that we're looking <laughs> – like yeah. there are some good players in this league and it's Maybe like, yeah, they've the been league. here. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, it really, I mean, look at Anna Dietz. Like yeah. Anna, Anna is someone who Western was their, her only division one offer. And it took her a little while to get going. It took them a little while as a whole to, to find really a role for her, but this role that she stepped into this year, it's ungodly. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's honestly like, for SDSU, it's everyone, like we talked about. NDSU's got a couple different girls, L, Heaven, God, Taylor. I mean, they're pretty much all of them, to be honest with you. They just haven't been as dominant. UND has got four or five girls, maybe six. USD has Grace. You have Walker Demers. I mean, just Nicole, a, tons of people. Mm-hmm. Oral Roberts has a few. Omaha has a few. Elena and Grace. Denver has both Michaela's. And Emma Smith, St. Thomas, Maggie Negard, um, Western Illinois has Anna Dietz and um, Thorpe. Jada Thorpe. 
I was going to say Jade Hill. That's St. Thomas. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Kansas City. Well, that's another one for St. Thomas. And Kansas City has uh, Mana Mensa, Elise Stafford when she's healthy, uh, Rain Green. Like, it's just, I feel honestly, here's how I feel. This is back to my first point. If you can't do what I just did and name at least one player on every team, shut up. I don't <laughs> want to hear your opinion. That's how I feel, quite honestly. And it, and I honestly, I think that that's kind of the point with SDSU is the, if you take the top two or three from most of the teams, they can compete at the top two or three. The difference is the depth. SDSU continues, you know, a more elite talent at spots four through eight. And that's, that's why they're where they're at. Um, and, but I think a lot of these teams are, have the opportunity to build towards that. And, and, and DSU's other than heaven you know, pretty young as far as their talent, you know, levels can concerned uh, and has a tremendous recruiting class coming in again next year. So, um, you know, they're trending up. UND is obviously trending up. Um, you know, St. Thomas is only going to get better in the Minneapolis market, you know, now that they're a D1 program. So um, just because I don't think it's a down year when you have a team that's as dominant as SDSU is. They beat two teams that were ranked at the time. Now, granted, I don't think either of those teams are in the top 25 anymore, but Ugh, let's not go there. I'm not ready. <laughs> but, I can spend uh, a whole podcast just being upset about that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they, and came, you know, came close with a few other power fives that weren't in the top 25, but are now kind of a thing. So um, mm-hmm. they're just an elite team. I mean, they're in my opinion, top, they probably should be in the top 25, but top 35 for sure in the country. So, doesn't matter what mid-major conference you're in they're going to be an elite team regardless of where they're playing at you know and so that doesn't mean the rest of the league is down that just means that they are that good and that's not a knock on on any of the other teams right Brandon I have a um, question for you I just want to know your thoughts like at the beginning of the year when I was going through the rosters and prepping for the season I obviously there was a lot of movement, three coaching changes, lots of transfers in and out, new freshmen everywhere. Um, everybody, you know, got new people, obviously. But when I got to North Dakota State's roster, I was like, okay, Heaven, Taylor, Katie, L, because uh, I knew L was coming in. And then I was like, mm, who are the rest of these people? <laughs> like the whole roster. Hey, you know, was it was, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was uh, a lot for me to take, take it. And it was out, honestly, one of the reasons why I just started a podcast. I'm like, I don't know anything about these girls. And there are a lot of new faces on the guys teams too. And I'm like, if I don't know anybody is I'm probably the biggest NDSU basketball fan there is. So if I don't know everybody, then nobody else in my right. nation does either. So let's get a chance to get to know these people. But uh, the only returners on the roster were Emily Banky. And uh, Heaven, of course, Katie Hildebrandt, Abby Schulte, and then Rachel Novak and Sophie Olson were still here, but didn't really play much or contribute much. Right. So um, everybody else was brand new and three or four transfers, a couple of really good freshmen in Al Evans. And I think Abby Graham probably should be all freshman team as well. I think she's been fantastic as the as the sixth man for NDSU. Um but yeah, a lot of new faces, but it needed to happen. It was, I think Jory tried to quick band-aid it when he got here and bring in a couple of players just to try to get competitive, but I don't think they were fits really into hit what he wanted to do. I think he was just trying to accumulate talent. Um, and last year it looked like that was the hope is that 
they had enough talent to get to where he wanted to go, but it didn't really fit. And so um, there's a mass exodus again last season and a rebuild uh, this year. Maybe the transfers that came in weren't as talented as, you know, players he was hoping for, but they were the right fit. They played the positions, they run through the offense. Uh, Taylor Brown's a prime example. I don't think, um, you know, she's an elite four by any means, but she fits this offense and she plays it very well and she rebounds and she's an awesome person. Obviously, you know, played AAU with heaven. So that was a immediate fit right away. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of that was it, it. Abby Draper came in, same same kind of situation. Um, you know, Kofu Yumeen has been a very pleasant surprise. I did not know. I love her so anything much. about her game coming in, and she's been fantastic when she can stay out of foul trouble. Um, but one, she's the sleeper. Like she yeah. doesn't do a whole lot, but she like she doesn't do a whole lot to get noticed, but she does enough that it's like okay. Offensive rebounds and putbacks, and that I mean she is all effort. Um, and you know, and there's still some that haven't really. You know, Georgia Baldwin, I had her on the podcast last week. Um, she came in from Eastern Eastern Kentucky, I believe, um, and was she broke her hand in the preseason. And so she lost all install time with the offense, like just kind of, you know, everything. And once the season, by the time she came back, the season was already underway. It, she just hasn't been able to find her way really into the rotation. But I think she's somebody who's long and athletic and has – talent she's shown in spurts and so she's somebody that can really develop in the offseason I think and contribute next year so yeah there's a lot Leah McKenzie um was a really highly touted recruit coming in was going to be a backup point guard and got hurt in the in the preseason so uh she ended up missing the entire year so she's taking a medical red shirt this year so there's there's a lot still coming uh as well for this roster but uh the big thing from from Jory's perspective, I think it was just he had to find girls that fit the system and not just bring in talent, um, which is what I think he was. It was a mess. Well, we all know it was a mess at NDSU for a yeah. few years there. So he needed to kind of wipe the slate clean. And, I, I, you know, I think he tried to put it back together as fast as he could and realize this is not a it's not a one year turnkey fix. And so uh, I think he's got it on the right track now headed forward. Yeah. I didn't um, didn't get to have him or anyone from NDSU on the show this year. Just scheduling didn't work out. Um, but I or an SDSU fan didn't have NDSU. Oh, Jesus still loves me. Um, <laughs> you can ask Miles. I sent him like two or three emails, and we were as of last week we were working on it. It just yeah. just didn't quite work out. Last year I didn't get to have St. Thomas or Omaha, um, and I got Rustin on this year. And she was so much fun. And I didn't um, wasn't able to get scheduled with Carrie Banks, but I did get Elena Pilacuda on from Omaha. So always the goal is to get everyone. So those of you that are on me for that can go away as well. <laughs> um, it's it's all good in the hood. But yeah, I think I think that everybody has to go through that mess at some point, right? And again, I know you're gonna be like, oh, that's rich coming from an SDSU fan. Like, I get it. I it's gonna happen. At some point, if, you know, if AJ ever left, it. it would, I mean, you know, if you he leaves or, or drops dead on the sideline in <laughs> 50 years, you know, it'll, it, one of those two scenarios, like we're going to go through it. Everybody will. And I will still be an SDSU fan. So it shows how hard it is. And I think I tweeted out, I don't know how long ago, a few weeks ago, um, it was in response to someone showing the dominance that SDSU has earned the last 10 or ever since they've been in division one. Yep. 
And I got curious. I was like, God, that's really good. I wonder what USD's is since they went division one, what, four years after or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and so I shrunk STSU's down to the same time period as USD that they had both been division one and USD had 15 more losses. And I was like, okay, that's not bad. And then I was just looking at their schedules and everything. I went, Oh crap, that's right. They've had four head coaches in that time period too. So the fact that they've been able to, you know, finish top four, you know, top two most of the time, but some years three, four, um, it just shows how hard it is. And like NDSU, we'll get to who my coach of the year is in a little bit, I guess. But uh, you know what Jory's done this year and the recruiting class he's got coming in, I I hope because it'd be it's awesome to see a team that um, besides the South Dakota schools that can maybe build a multiple year contention, a contending team. Yeah, um, and I think, and the pieces know, are there. Yeah, I think it, you know you got Al Evans, you know, a freshman now, so we got three more years of Al, and she's got player of the year potential. I mean, she's six three, plays like a guard. I, I mean, she's got all the potential in the world to, to lead a team. So you get pieces around her. Abby Graham's obviously one of them that's already here. Um, you know, and the recruit, as you mentioned, the recruiting class is coming in is great. That heaven's sister is just past a couple thousand points scoring. So we got another Hamling on the way, um, which is perfect because we're, we're running out of eligibility next year with the, with the one we got. So, uh, and then Leah McKenzie is supposed to be a fantastic guard and she's, you know, she'll be coming in next year as well. So it's going to be there. There's pieces to build for sure. And like I said, I think Kansas city, will get back there. I, I'm there in a great market for recruiting, uh, which so. is why they were as good as they were last year. Um, and I, St. Thomas, we've seen it on the men's side. I mean, they had the best recruiting class in summit league history in their first full recruiting class in D one era, just because they have that market. Um, and so, you know, that's, I hope those teams, uh, will build as well as we go forward. Those are two teams that I really, um, my, my bias that doesn't lie with SDSU lies with the bottom half of the league. Like I have been (laughs) high on Omaha, high on Denver, high on St. Thomas, high on Kansas city this year. Um, Kansas city and St. Thomas are two teams that I really, really, really want to see succeed. You know, Kansas City has been in and out of the league, and that's, you know, for for various reasons. Um, but I want this to be a place where they where they can succeed in basketball. Um, and St. Thomas, I don't know what their long-term plans are. I know we've discussed that um, in the group chat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to see them stay. I know that's a little bit wishful, but... Um, maybe and, maybe and, we can just swap them with Minnesota and they can send Minnesota down to the Summit League and yeah, no St. Thomas can take but, their spot in the Big Minnesota Ten. Minnesota has to play St. Thomas. Winner gets to stay in the Big Ten. Gets to stay, know. yeah. I have like a, like a, I've learned a little bit about soccer since my Ted Lasso watching days and we got maybe a relegation game where you got to play. You got to, if you want to stay up, you got to, you got to win. Play to stay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just think that, um, you know, I admire all the, one of the things I love about the league so much is that even schedules, God, don't let's even not go there start. yet. I need to finish this <laughs> wine and then we'll go there. I'm trying to say something profound and heartfelt. So let me get through it and then we can be asked about your schedules. Um, one of the things I love about this league is that even when it's a rival coach, 
Like I've never talked to a coach in this league that I didn't like, didn't respect, um, didn't like want to hear what they had to say. I just like, I value the coaches in this league. I think they're great people. And Ruth Sin is somebody that when I talked to her both times, um, I honestly was like moved to tears after. Like Ruth Sin is someone that when she speaks, you listen to what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And she took the time to like ask about me when it was not about me whatsoever. And just when I interviewed her for the Women in Sports Day video, um, she talked about her mom. I know you guys saw that at the end. She was like the perfect ending for the video. Um, But she's just so wise and just like super knowledgeable has been there for 21 years now, 23, something like that. Um, And, you know, I hyped her up on the pod. I was like absolute royalty. She was like, I don't know about that, but I think it's about longevity. She's just so cute and sweet, Um, but she's just super wise. And I I love like I what she's trying to build or what it seems like she's trying to build. Um, And I would just love to see like teams like that. Kansas City, Dosha at Denver. She's been working hard. Um, and I think it's starting to show a little bit. So I think in the future, all those teams are going to see, um, you know, the, the benefits of their, their hard work. Yeah. It's the yeah. wild part about in St. Thomas and you mentioned Richardson as well. Like they, they were D three, like these coaches that are now in D one in, in a mid-major conference were D three coaches and they are Johnny tower on the men's side would be my pick for coach of the year based on what he's done with what little he has. And I think right. Ruth Sin is another one whose her teams compete. They play fundamentally well. Uh, they execute their game plan fairly well. Um, they just need to get more talent. And that's just a transition thing. That's why they have the transition period so that you get more talent, give it time to build up more talent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the coaching, it's, it's incredible to me to see, you know, people knock D1 colleges for trying to hire lower conference or, you know, lower division coaches all the time. It's like, if you're a D one school and you hire a D three coach, you know, what are you doing? But you look at these, those coaches do, they have to teach the fundamentals. They have to execute the X's and O's because their talent level is not. And at that level, it's not any higher than anybody else's. So the way you win basketball games is by coaching the talent that you have. And so if you have a successful D three coach, I mean, they can coach at any level, and I think those two coaches Correct. have definitely proven it. Um, I think we saw this like in the inter- lasso, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is believe. The- All you got to do is believe. Yeah, just believe. <laughs> in the interview, she had said, um, I asked her about that transition. I said, you know, you're you're out of your rookie Summit League season now. You're second-year team. Still the newest, but, like, you're not fresh, fresh. Like, what have you learned? And she's like, last year? I, you know, it was so many of those girls, like, first experience traveling through the Atlanta airport. Like, and I was like, I didn't even think about that. Like, it's little stuff like that that they quite literally have not done as a team. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, when I interviewed a couple of the transfers, like Luke Yoder came from Illinois Westland, you know, a a D3 school. And it's, he's like, yeah, it was the first time I ever got an airplane to travel to an away game. Like, they bus everywhere. So, like, you, you know, you get that whole transition of just, just the travel. And I think that's why you saw those two, those teams burn out a little bit towards the end of last year. Um, you know, especially on the men's side, they really seem to to lose their legs a little bit. And I, I, I mean, that's, it's tough. You know, you've cover a way larger footprint from what traveling around Minnesota and Western North Dakota and Western, you know, Eastern North Dakota, Western Wisconsin, what St. Thomas did before. And now you're going 
to Denver and, you know, you're flying to Coast California to, to play out of conference games and, you know, it's, it's a lot uh, to take in. So yeah, I kudos to what St. Thomas has done on both sides. I think they're not a laughing stock by any means, especially on the men's side. Yeah. And um, they're only going to get better because of the market that they're in. Yeah. All right. Let's go to discussions. We are going to have a long podcast, but honestly, I'm okay with that. I feel like it's tournament time. We need to amp it up. Um, sure. Let's move on to our JD605. You are frozen. Can you hear us? I'm here. I think it's okay, just you cool. that it's frozen for, Madison. I see him moving all oh, over the place. Oh, it's just me? Yeah. He's literally, he's literally like this. He's halfway on the screen and he's like, that's what he looks like right now. I'm literally um, dancing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you come back because I would love to see the moves. Are you going to bust still the moves at Frogs? You're missing yeah, all you're of still this? Frozen. You're, yeah. You're not, fro- you're not frozen for me. It's it's just oh, sure. trying to. Can you, show, can you show me the moves at Billy Frogs? Yeah. Yeah. You're echoey for me too. Weird. Why okay. am I so echoey? Am I echoey for you, Brandon? Nope, it's just Madison's internet. I'm Madison, assuming. do you need that, to shut that, off the echo cancellation? That East Coast internet, I tell you what. Listen, the freaking water down here is nasty. When I cooked mac and cheese today, I used filtered water in the pot. Do you get it from the Ohio River? Sorry. Honestly, probably. Um, okay, let's talk player of the year. Jordan, why don't you go first? Because me and Brandon have been flapping our traps all night. Yeah, well, I've been dancing. Okay, gotta catch my breath. Um, what one? What'd you say, Coach of the Year? Player. Player. Yeah, I, I think Brandon mentioned it before, um, but you know, up up till a couple weeks ago, I had a pretty much one A one B between Casey Baravich and Hannah Cooper. But I think when you look at the conference season as a whole and the body of work, um, my Player of the Year is. I think in our group chat I said top five, but I actually think she's top three in points, rebounds, and assists, and that is um, USD's Grace Larkins. I mean, I I have no problem, like I mentioned, you guys, if Casey or Hannah won it, but I think if you're looking at the impact she had or has on her team, and obviously stats are a big component of it too, um, there's just no one that stands out more and who is – consistently played at a high level like grace has the whole conference season um and i i know usd is the four seed and you know not one of the top three teams but if you're giving it to the player of the year in the conference um i think she has earned her part in that discussion at least being one of the top players i believe she's also top five in steals as well i i think i looked i saw when i looked today so She's she's in top five in four categories, I think. If you give me one second, I can take a look here. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm trying to pull it up, but my internet is. At least you're not frozen. Yeah, but you're my right. loading speeds are not great. <laughs> she is third in steals, second in assists, third in rebounding. The only two ahead of her are Tears of Moore and then Michaela. Is it Minette? Michaela Minette. Minette. Okay. From Denver. 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 I mean, Grace is averaging almost eight rebounds a game. And then she is third in the league in scoring at 17 and a half. So, I mean, 
that's who mine is. Uh, I know it's not the pretty choice on paper because USD is not one of the top, you know, one or two teams, but she, the whole body of work for the 18 games, she's in my mind, pretty clear for the player. Of the I year. think it's just cause you're a USD fan, Jordan. Okay. But for real though, we've <laughs> had kidding. these talks. No, no, no. We've had these talks the whole second half of the season. No, for sure. But like the whole second half of the season, like I've been going, all right, Casey and Hannah have been, Really, really good. They've been playing really, 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 really well. And here's Grace Larkins. And I'm like, my heart is like, "Eh, Grace is playing really good, but I don't want that bias to show. And then here we are at the end of the season. I'm like, I I can't not give her that nod um, for it. Well, that's like for me, I... um... I feel like people struggle with this idea, just like with the coach of the year that we're going to get to in a second. I feel like people struggle with this idea of they can't be the player of the year if they're not on the best team. Right. And I think that's BS, but I think like when I was looking at all newcomer stuff, um, it's like, wow, I really like Mana Mensah's game. I like what she's done for Kansas city. Kansas city wouldn't be alive without her right now, but like she's on the number 10 team can she be the newcomer of the year? And I think that with Grace, that's some some people's mentality. I'm not saying you're wrong. I pretty much agree with everything you said, especially the whole like trifecta of like, okay, if it's Hannah Cooper, Casey Barovich, or Grace Larkins, I can I can do all like any of those three. Um, so I'm with you, but I guess just for the people who are like, why are we talking about someone who's on the four-seeded team that barely got to the four-seed? Like, I just think some people have that mentality of like, well, if they're not top two, you know, which, and so then it's like, that's a knock to Hannah Cooper as well. And Casey Bravich. Cause that's, we're talking about players who are on the three, four and five teams right now. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm, what I'm saying is how, if your argument is that she's not on the best team, then you can't also put Casey Bravich or Hannah Cooper there because right. they're in the Correct. three and, and we, five. So for me, and for me, it's not, people get a, really wrapped up in in scoring and i think they'll look that she's third in scoring but when she's top full, you know top 3 in those four categories you know rebounding and and steals are technically defensive stats so she's doing it on both ends of the floor which is what i Correct. mean i think makes her a lot more a lot better for that for that award uh Hannah Cooper great offensive player she's not a very good defensive player uh, she gets some turnovers and gets some steals and gets some of those things just because of the speed and the pace of which they play with and they speed teams up and they turn the ball over. Um, but she's not a great one-on-one defender. She doesn't really rebound, but she's, you know, she does a good job with assists and that's Baravich as well. She, you know, um, scores, scores and assists well. Uh, and she is a decent on ball defender as well, but for the stats and, and the player, and as far as what you got a game plan for, um, Teams will gay plan to slow down Hannah Cooper and Casey, but Grace Larkins is a freight train. I mean, you yeah. you have to throw everything at her in order to slow her down. And you can do all of that, and she can still score 30 on you because she's just she's been that good this year. So, you know, and if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, I would not have guessed really any of those three players. Casey maybe would have been at the top, but for me, it's Maya Selland or nobody probably going going into it. Maybe Heaven Hamling, but she's been kind of inconsistent in league play. Um, yeah. And so, you know, everybody's going to look at Maya Selland because she's 
been here for a while. She's been elite for a while and their team is 18 and old, but um, you know, if you look at it as best overall individual player in the league, I think it's Grace Larkins. Did we have this debate a few years ago? Um, I times ever since the pandemic, the years, I don't even know, but I feel like it was a few years ago where we had this conversation. It might've even been between like a, Macy Miller and and a Duffy for USD, but it was like, okay, one is the better statistical leader in like three or four categories. And one is the best player on the best team in the league. I think it was SDSU. I, I can't remember, but it was a state and U player. And the argument, I think it was even in our chat was, is this award for the best player on the best team or is this for the best player in the league? And right the argument could have been made that year, whoever wanted it could have been either one. Either I, one think, of those ways. Yeah. I think this, the SDSU player won it that year. And that was kind of the conversation, but you know, to Brandon's point, I think that this year SDSU is so well balanced and they've got so many great players that they were able to distribute that more. And it's not a knock on any one of their players. It's just that they have a tremendous five, six women that are playing and they're spreading it out. And yeah, I'm not saying my three other isn't, isn't right. one of the hardest players to stop in the league and one of the best scorers right. in the league, but she hasn't had to. And so right. statistically yep. in the way you look at that, you know, it, it's how, how do you decide that? So. It, well, that's the, like when I interviewed AJ and Jordan, I think I drew this question from, from you a little bit. Cause we were talking about this. When I interviewed AJ two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever that was, at that point in time, South Dakota State, the number one team in the league, probably 14-0 at that point in time, did not have a single player in conference-only stats in the top 25 for minutes played. Oh, yeah. Yep. I threw that one at you. Yeah. That's insane. That's, yeah, that's that's. Nice it's disgusting. 10 players that can play and you can continue to play at that high level. Now start a league play when you're winning by 30 and 40 points, you know, you you're playing bench players most of the second half anyway. So that's going to contribute. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just shows you the depth and the quality of their roster from top to bottom. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they have a couple of players that come in <laughs> you know, garbage time blowout minutes and you see them get out of the court and they don't even play for SDSU and they are really, really solid players. And so um, that's, I don't think the player of the year award is a knock on it. And I don't even know, they might not get, Salen will make it probably first team. I don't know if they get a second player on the top two teams. If they do, it's Peyton. I would say it's Peyton Um, Peyton or Hammer. Yeah, would be that would be it'd be one of those two for me. I think Timmer has a little bit better stats. I think Peyton's a little bit better player. So yep. I right. think it just depends how you what they view and, and all that is is experience too. Yeah. You know, so but that's you know, I don't know. I, and I I guarantee we're having this debate and I guarantee you nobody on SDSU's roster cares about an individual award if so no. if they make no. the NCAA tournament. So you can debate it all you want, but um, the fact of the matter is they have one goal in mind. I only think not... us fans care. I don't even yeah. think players don't care. Coaches don't care. This is just something for us fans to talk about. It's kind of like in the NBA. Nobody like 
Jokic doesn't give a rat's patoot if he wins the MVP. They need he wants to make that <laughs> Western Conference well, they, Finals. They they care a little because I'm pretty sure there's a financial incentive that comes with with some of those okay. end of the season awards. But the His college BJ. players don't probably, get that. So yeah, that probably wouldn't be so funny to me if I wasn't one and a half glasses of white zin in tonight. <laughs> but I have literally never heard that before. What rat's patoot? Yeah. <laughs> Are you not from the Midwest? I heard that. No, my I grand, am. I just all, I was expecting rats ass. Okay, sidebar. <laughs> I just talked about um the other day in my public speaking classes, we were talking about stereotypes and language, like verbal communication, how you perpetuate stereotypes, that type of thing. Jordan, you're unfrozen. Yay. Um and I had a list of slang from the 1940s. And I had them go through it and like see things that they had heard before, had not heard before. Um, so the most common one that they had heard before was in cahoots with. And I say that all the time. They're in cahoots with each other. So I thought that was funny. They didn't know um, that bag meant to shoot down a plane. Like I bagged a pilot. So I had to explain that to them. Like this is war times. But yeah, in cahoots with. That and City Slicker were the two most common. So. I mean, there's a movie about that one, so. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Slickers. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about briefly first team, second team, because I know we can spend, by briefly I mean like 10 minutes, because I know we could spend probably 20 or 25 <laughs> on this. But just, um, here, here's what I'll do. I'm not going to tell you my first team and second team, but I'll throw some names at you. There's obviously some names that we've already discussed. So we've said Hannah Cooper. We've said Casey Bravich, Maya Sellen, Peyton Burkhart, um, Heaven Hamlin, Grace Larkins. Some names that are up for debate, I'll say. Um, Juliet Gordon. I know we talked a little bit. Maybe hasn't done enough. Name is out there. Claire Orth. Name is out there. Uh, Mana Mensah from Kansas City. Emma Smith from Denver. Maggie Negard from St. Thomas. Anna Dietz from Western, Elena Pilacuda from Omaha. Um, what are we? What are we kind of thinking? First team, second team. Do you have Tears of More on there? Tears of More, thank you. I okay. knew I was forgetting somebody. And did you have Stafford on there anywhere? Did you read her off of that list? A name to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Out so of the list. I, yeah. we had this in the chat this morning, and I think Jordan posted, and I was pretty much on the same page. So I think we have the same first five probably right jordan yeah i think we just differed on on one of them but yeah so grace casey hannah heaven maya um i i think those five are a lock as far as the first teamers i don't I mean, we've just talked about four of them as player of the year candidates so i would say they're pretty much locked for the first team fifth one um you had more i think more is a got a good shot at it um mm-hmm. and then i to get not put two or you players on there i think i think if she played all 30 games or whatever i think lee stafford would have a better case but she's got For i sure. think she's got six or seven games less stats than everybody else does so um and i think she was playing through some stuff a few other times during the season i don't think she was 100 percent either during the whole year so um, nobody on that team was yeah so <laughs> i think but it you know the way she's finished the season these last four or five games uh she's been fantastic so i'd give her consideration as well i don't think she'll make the first team just because of the time missed um but she would have my right. vote 
Second team is where it gets tricky because we got second team is where it gets tricky. Yeah, you Uh just listed we list a dozen players and and you can pick any of them. And I don't think anybody would have a reason to be upset really about it. So, okay, how many girls um, are on? Because first team is six, right? Because you have player of the year. Yeah, correct. And then is it five? So it's 11. Yeah, it's 11. Okay, so I'm going to give you the top um, 11 scorers in the league, okay? In order, Hannah Cooper, Casey Bravich, Grace Larkins, Heaven Hamling, Maya Selland. We all agreed that we just talked about them as player of the year candidates. Maggie Negard is sixth. Mana Mensah is seventh. Um, Anna Dietz, Elise Stafford, Elena Pillacuda is 10th, L. Evans, 11, Tearsmore, 12, Emma Smith, 13, Haley Timmer, 14. And then you get into Ariel Walker, Delaney Nix, Leah Stanley, Carly Duffney, Peyton Burkhart is 19, Claire Orth is 20. That's the top 20. Yeah. I feel like some of these names, like I put Elena Pillacuda on my first team. I think that a lot of other people probably didn't. I also think those people are not watching the entire league, but that's just (laughs) me. But then again, like there is an argument for everybody. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. it's so tough. Well, and you, so you listed all those players from, and I, when I looked at this from like eight to 20, I think the points per game average is like two, two different. I think it's like 13 to 10. I mean, it's not. So eight. Anna Dietz is at, well, actually, Mana Mensah is at 14.3 and number seven. That goes through Anna Dietz and Elise Stafford. Um, but where's it? Do- then, when does it drop to single digits? It goes down to like 20 something, doesn't it? Michaela Brandon from Denver is 25th with 10.6. Yeah. So, I mean, you got all of yeah. those players, as far as scoring goes, are in a pretty similar category. So, you got to look elsewhere defensive right. stats rebounding assists whatever mm-hmm. it might be um so i put stafford on my first team so my second team first one then was Teresa moore uh and then i had l evans uh pilacuda smith from denver uh and then i couldn't i couldn't pick a fifth i i really i had Negard, deets and hill kind of were there for me but timmer could be there or burkhart from sdsu i think the best team in the league should probably get two on the first two teams. So I think one of them will get it, yeah. but, um, but they're a Claire or, I mean, the f- I mean, there's a ton of other players that can go there. The first 10 are all scoring 14 points a game or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Someone I'd be curious to see if uh, I'm sure this is in a handbook, but how the league scoring this year compares to years past. Like points per game. I for, think. I think it's. Up. I think it's up. I think. I mean, I there's been more games in the 80s and 90s, and even teams hitting 100 this year than I've seen in a long time. Um, some of that is because teams play Oral Roberts a lot, and they don't play defense. I mean, NDSU <laughs> scored 100 and 100 over 100 points for the first time in like 11 or 12 years or something like that when they played Oral Roberts a couple weeks ago. So. Um, that definitely drives some things up. The UND ORU game was, what was that, 103 to 100 or something like that? I mean, yeah. it was, mm-hmm. I mean. So it's not as spread out. Like I just said, the top 10 are all 14 points a game or higher. Um, last year, Casey Barovich was 21 and 1 tenth points per game. Then you had Uju at 17 7, Naomi at 17 5. 
Tears of 17 won. So she's scoring a little bit less. She also was hurt, played less games. And she um, had Chloe Lamb, other 15, score seven. step up around her. That was uh, exactly, yeah. And then 15 won Brooklyn McDavid, and then you dropped into the 14s with Aaron Norling and Jade Hill and Heaven. So you look at like Jade Hill still, she's averaging like two points less a game. And she went from like top 10 to like 21st. Mm -hmm. Like it's right. So the scoring is obviously up at the top half of the league. I mean, just based on some of those names alone and what they're doing this year. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was my second team. That was tough. Like I said, like I said, I mean, I had, those first four I rattled off pretty quickly, kind of off the top of my head. I didn't really even have to look at, at stats. Um, but, it, but, I mean, maybe in the top three. Three is more Al Evans and, and Pila Kuda were kind of those first three. And then Smith, she's in that top 15 of scoring and does is it up there in a couple of other stats. I think she's in the top five in steals as well. So um, she was kind of there for me. But then, yeah, that fifth spot. It flip a flip a coin. I mean, it's a madhouse. Yeah, and I think somebody's going to be. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to. I think some of it may. I I don't know how you guys vote that have media votes, but some of it may be if you got some of these players that might fall into a an all freshman or an all newcomer team, maybe you give them that vote and they don't make the second team vote. And so, I think there's going to be some balance of that from the voting as well. Um, that you won't try to throw Can the same confirm. in. <laughs> Yeah, too many I things. did keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, when, I, because I, I came to this point where I was struggling <clears throat> with what to do, and I was like, well, this person's going to be all freshman. Like, I just kind of mixed it up a little. Yeah. When I did um, Elena, Evans, Stafford, this was in no particular order. Um, and then I had Maggie. Um, and then I crossed off Jade Hill because I realized this is more of a prediction that I'm assuming – a lot of the media folks are more of the Dakotas. So I would imagine an SDSU player will get in over two, like St. Thomas having two players on there. Yeah. Well, that could be Burkhard too. I mean, they're both great players. Yeah. It'll, Let's, I'm, um, yeah I'm, I'll be interested to ahead. see what happens there. Yeah, me too. Um, let's talk coach. Um, I know that, yeah, no (laughs) kidding. Um, About a year ago this time, we were talking about this on the podcast and I then the next day um, was scrolling on Twitter and saw Kelly Gramlich, who played at Clemson, um, ACC Network, girly now, make a note. She tweeted something about, it was like the Kim Mulkey or Don Seeley debate. And she basically was saying what we were saying that like, hey, this is expected now. Let's talk about how Kim Mulkey came in and turned the program around or so on and so forth. Right. Kind of like the Mallory versus AJ argument that we're having right now. Um, And I commented on it. I was like, oh, my God, we were just talking about this on our podcast. Like, because last year, Jordan, you and me were like, JC Hoyt. She was also she also had my, my vote last year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like, have a vote, I just, but that would have been my vote. Right. Yeah, I so like it was that argument, and I was like, "That's so crazy." We were just talking about this, and she liked my tweet or whatever. And then the South Carolina fans came for me. Um, I like teared up. They were <laughs> very rude. Like, um, it turned into this whole thing of like, "Oh, now that we're at the top, like, blah blah blah, so on and so forth." Like, what are you talking about? Expected, but I really do think that there's this expectation now 
Like, just like with USD, right? Everyone was so pissed at the beginning of the season because they were like, I don't care what we lost. We should be good, right? And it just took them some time to, like, realize, like, okay, we're fine. Like, maybe not at the top, but, like, we're fine. Um, and I think that this SDSU would do the same thing if, if that happened. SDSU fans would lose their ever-living minds. But, like, it's expected. It was expected for them to win the league. It was – I don't know if it was expected for them to go undefeated or not. I personally didn't expect them to because I know what the league is, but I think people that don't know what the league is probably did. Um, and the way they did it, too. Yeah, I, I it didn't surprise me. I was surprised by how dominant that they were, I think, was yeah. more. I, I thought the gap, I thought NDSU, UND, and obviously USD wasn't going to drop too far. And I thought the gap between those three teams and SDSU would have been closer than than it ended up being. Well, and it, to me, it really is a case of the oopsies, right? Like, when Oral Roberts came to Frost the first game, I Dosha was texting me after the game. She was like, girl, you live? And I was like, my heart's beating 800 <laughs> times a minute. Like, I'm good. You know, like, didn't didn't think that was going to happen, right? And then there was the Denver game and the Omaha game on the road that, like, maybe scared us a little bit. And then for NDSU, your oopsie was coming into Frost and forgetting to get off the bus, right? Well, like- that was, yeah, that was the whole thing is, you know, up until that game, I had hoped that the gap was close, like it was much right. closer because SDSU had not played that well to start the Particularly well, correct. Like they, they won, they got the job done, but they played close games. They weren't, they weren't winning by 30. They weren't dominating. And then NDSU went down and it was 35 to nine after the first quarter. And I'm like, oh, they just weren't paying attention yet. And then they played USD the next weekend and throttled them. And I'm like, okay, they're, they've made their point now. Like it, it almost seemed like they were to Denver and like, just, (laughs) just don't get it, but that's just the league. Right. So like, basically, I think it's, it's, we've seen it from Oral Roberts on the men's side too. I think sometimes they play to their competition a little bit. I think, you Correct. know the teams you have to get up and perform for, and you know the teams that you can go out, you're going to play your game, you're going to be fine. Even if it's not a 30-point win, you're comfortable at 10 because you know you can turn it on at any time and get it done. Right. Was that you? It was either you or Garrett the other day. It must have been Garrett um, about the UND game. I can't remember if it was against Kansas City or so. I don't know. But he was like, whoever it was, was like, UND's playing with their food a little bit right now. And I was yep. like, yeah, I know. And we have a lot of teams in the league who – like not necessarily on purpose, but tend to do that a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's, but honestly, that's what keeps the league close. But anyways, I just, it's not a knock to AJ at all or SDSU at all. I just personally think two years ago, Mallory Bernhard was an interim coach and went two and 15 <laughs> or two and or two win season. Sorry. The next season, 15 wins. This season was already at 15 wins like three weeks ago, right? Yeah. Or whatever, two weeks ago. So, like, I just think that if – are we looking at who did the most, who made the most progress, or who coached the best team? Same argument for player of the year. For me, this year, it's Mallory. Yeah, and I think I'm a little biased just because of the job I've seen him doing up close and in person, but I think Jory Collins is in the same conversation just because of the turnaround and them getting to the two seed this year. It's the first time NDSU has been the two seed since they went D one. So since they've been in the summit league anyway, so um, they have never played at this level uh, and look at what, 
we happened last year. I mean, it was a train wreck at the end of the year and it turns it around and now they're the two seed. So I think in that same vein, Mallory and Jory, I think have done a better job coaching those teams to this point, but it's also mentioned in the group chat and elsewhere. It's just as hard to sustain sometimes as it is to get there. So there's a lot of credit to be said for that. The knock a little bit on SDSU this year is how experienced of a team he's doing it with. As far as you got probably three or four or five girls on that team that wouldn't need a coach on the sideline. And they're going to go out there and know exactly what they're doing in every situation. And so there's some of that that plays into it in my mind too. So if he was went 18 and all with two seniors and two juniors and a bunch of sophomores and freshmen, whole different ball game. But because oh, right, of the right. the level of, you know, player level that he's got on that team, it makes the coaching job look a little less impressive as a whole, just because of, you know, what that what's on that team. But it it's going to go to AJ. It, it's it's Absolutely. the way the award always goes. It goes if you I mean, and granted, you should win it if you go 18 and 0. I think. And I but, have no problem with that. <laughs> well, and like, yeah. Madison, and I told you this earlier in the year, too. There's a couple of things that will keep any team that goes 18 and 0 that will keep this coach to have this, to earn this award. Because um, you never know. I mean, years down the road, what if NDSU goes 18 and 0? And it's like, well, they were expected to, but, you know, a team that was predicted 10th got second. So it's like, well, no, if you went undefeated and Correct. even if you're expected to go there, it's still a daunting, relatively daunting schedule. Um, that's unfair. It is a daunting schedule for student athletes like to, to play mm-hmm. at that level. Um, I think, but also I think if, the problem, oh, well, sorry, Brandon, but the problem is, um, like I mentioned to you, Madison, earlier in the year, is it's almost like the Patrick Mahomes and LeBron James in his prime thing, right? Like, you could have give them the MVP every year, um, and they should, because they are the best player in the league, and that might be controversial, but there's other teams deserving, but, like, SDSU has earned it yet again. This year, Coach right. AJ has done a hell of a job. His assistants have done a great job. And they just they deserve it this this year, d- despite being projected to go there. Um, it's just fun for us to say, like you know, like Jory and Mallory are also deserving because they did a hell of a job too. But and I think if they, the, I think if the gap would have been a little closer, we may have more of an argument. If UND or NDSU is, you know, fifteen and three and not you know ten and six, then maybe you mm-hmm. have okay. Well, they beat everybody other than SDSU twice and one team one time on the road. Then you go, that's a heck of a coaching job because nobody expected or even, that. Even if if SDSU is 16 and 2, right? Or maybe even 17 and 1 with the way that some of those games were won, right? Like I think it's just the fact that it was 18 and 0 and that it was one really bad scare with ORU in the first game of the season that people are going to write off because they're going to say it was the first game of the season. Frost was dusty. It's under construction. Whatever people are going to say, right? And then, like, aside from that, like, it was no contest. So yeah. I'm just saying that I – I and I'm always going to be that voter, right? I'm you, – you can 
gauge media voters like if eventually especially the ones that are actual journalists <laughs> um you get to know like kind of where their head is at and like i will always be the voter that will say like okay you were expected to do this however this person went from here to here and that's like that's to me that's more important so like i will always go that route but everyone votes differently i have no doubts that it's going to be aj i have no problem with that super happy for him and, and for what they've done this season yeah all right let's go matchups so on friday at 12 30 our extra day of basketball this year we have number eight saint thomas versus number nine western illinois this has the potential to be one of the closest games in the tournament as does the three o'clock game on Friday. If you think that Friday basketball is going to be trash because there's no Dakota team, you don't know what you're talking about. Get your ass to the Betty. <laughs> yeah. On the men's side, the matchups are great on Friday. Yeah, they well, are. But we're not talking about men's. We're talking about women's. <laughs> I, I unfortunately, I, I'm working on my way down to Sioux Falls visiting customers, so I have to miss the women's games Friday afternoon and I'm very disappointed about it because I think they're going to be a couple of great games so I'll have to settle for listening while I'm driving but um I think I they're going to be they're going to be solid matchups I think we've just talked about Kansas City despite all the issues they've had have been playing well here down the stretch Western Illinois and St. Thomas are travel partners they know each other pretty well they you know just they just wrapped up the season they just played their second time two weeks ago, I think, right? Second to last mm-hmm. week of the second season. Second to last. So familiar opponent, neutral court. Um, the the weird thing with all four of these teams is none of them have played well on the road, and now we're going to a neutral court. So it'll be really interesting to see who kind of steps up and plays well on a neutral environment. JD 605. You want my prediction? I yeah, just thoughts. Just yeah, go ahead, give your thoughts. Uh, well, ditto to what Brandon said in Western Illinois and St. Thomas, and what you said, Madison. I think that's going to be a close game. Um, I uh, legitimately flipped a coin. I would show you the coin, but I went to buy a pop <laughs> with a few more of his friends earlier. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, Western won it by tails. So, uh, what was the other one here? We got uh, Denver. Kansas City, Denver. Yeah, I think Denver, I think Coach Woods has them ready to go. I think she's um, grown very comfortable in coaching in Sioux Falls, and I think the squad will be ready to go, um, ready to fight uh, for a matchup against North Dakota State on Saturday. Yeah, I think. I think it, I think both games come down to who has a more balanced roster, and I think it's Western and Denver on both in both of those games. Um, mm-hmm. Western has a few more scoring options, like you mentioned, Dietz, um, and and just their their team as a whole. Um, they have a little more size than St. Thomas. Uh, Kansas City, I'm not going to write them off. I think. Stafford mm-hmm. could go down and have herself a game, and Menza could could score thirty, and they could easily beat Denver. Denver's been they're 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 better than they've played this year, I think. Correct. Um but the problem is that inconsistency. They've looked really good in some games and they like the game they came up here and played at NDSU, I was like, how's this team gonna win three games in this league? Like they look terrible. 
And so it depends who shows up. I think they'll be ready. I think it'll be a good game, but it would not surprise me if Kansas City beats them if that that inconsistent Denver team shows up. Mm-hmm. So listen, I'm going to apologize to Dosha right now because this is not going to go the way she wants it to go. I know they're excited. I know they're ready. I know they're locked in. However, Kansas City is playing its best basketball right now. And I just think that, like, I'm I'm probably going to look like a clown because Kansas Kansas City could very well show up and we all have a fifty like percent chance of looking like a clown. So trash. We just well, yeah, correct. <laughs> we all have fifty percent chance of looking like a clown. Um, Kansas City could very well show up and be like, "This season was trash. Let's just play this game and go home." Like, not that they would show up with that mentality, but I feel like it, it could end up that way. Um, I just I just think Kansas City's playing really, really well right now. I think that they went up to Fargo last week or the week before and gave NDSU an absolute run for its money and realized, oh, and UND, like there's not that big of a gap between, yeah, like there's not that big of a gap between us and the top of the league, right? Like I think that um, they maybe needed that confidence boost. Like they've been through a lot. They played several games with eight players or maybe, maybe nine, but I'm pretty sure eight, you know, um, I think at least two girls that left the team in the middle of the season, new coach, um, lost at least 65% of their scoring, probably 70, if not more. I don't do math, but it was a lot, right? Like, we're, remember that Scott Holland's one-two punch, Mimi Allen-Addison, Brooklyn McDavid, gone. Paige Bradford, gone. Coach Hoyt, gone. Like, they've been through it, and just because their record's pretty shitty. Like, I still think that they're playing their best basketball right now. Well, let me, so I think that Kansas City is going to come out and, and take that game. And let me Go tell ahead, you Brandon. this as an NDSU fan, I am more scared to play Kansas City on Saturday than I would be play Denver. There you go. So that, that probably says, like, as much as I want to pick Denver. And I think that pick of Denver is mostly just because that's who I want to see win. Um, there you but, go, yeah. But, the bias uh, comes out. All about but, matchups, though. Yeah, all about matchups. And 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 NDSU matches up better with Denver than they do with Kansas City. Kansas with City's Kansas got City. some athletes that NDSU doesn't match up very well with. Um, Men's quickness is a little bit of a trouble for the NDSU's guards. Um Stafford L Evans is, is good enough to defend her. So she's less of a concern probably than she is for a lot of other teams, but not everybody has a six, three wing player. That's super athletic. So um, it'll be interesting that that game, when you would have looked at, if you'd have told me that matchup three weeks ago, I just said Denver wins by 20 and it's not close. And now right. I would not surprise me one bit for Kansas city to walk, walk into the next round. See, so, I'm surprised. I want to go to this Western St. Thomas game for a minute. I'm a bit surprised that both of you went Western. Um, St. Thomas almost beat them in the first game. That was a really close one. I remember talking to JD about that. Two points, I think, 77 to 75 Western. Um, And I just think that – so basically they split and they both went on the road because St. Thomas beat them in Macomb last week or two weeks ago. Um, and that one was 71 57. So a bit more handily, a bit more commanding, not much. I don't, I don't personally consider a win to be commanding unless it's like 17 points or more, because even if it is, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 points, 10 of those can be free throws in the last six minutes of the game. So like, to me, that doesn't tell the story of the whole game. 
I personally think that Western's going to come out with a vengeance. They're going to be ready. They've kind of been down and out the last few years. Um, and I think that they will also how many times in the last few years have they had to play like SDSU or USD in two falls. <laughs> so like, I think that's, that's part of it too. They're getting, um, they're avoiding that at least in the first round, but I think they're going to be ready, but I just think that St. Thomas has proven they almost beat them the first time, beat them the second time. Is this their first um, game in Sioux Falls, though? St. Thomas? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not worried about that at all. I, I personally am not. I don't, it, I, I don't think St. Thomas has played in an arena that big ever yet. Yeah, but it's not going to be full. That's part of the problem. You get. I remember playing in high school when you got to this – state gyms and you got all that extra depth behind the basket and there's so much room. I would like, much rather play yeah. in front of a sold out crowd than a, a than, empty a, than an empty one. That's fair. And and yeah, it's just it, it's a lot and it's really weird because you look at their last month of the season and they're they're almost identical. They beat the same teams, they lost to the same teams and then they played each other. And it was um St. Thomas is going to come in with more confidence because they just beat UND uh, you know, on the road. Yeah. And so um, they're going to have that momentum going, but I think, I just think Western has more talent. And I think if they come ready to play, I think they win the game. And that's why I have Western. I will agree with the talent statement, but I think that St. Thomas knows who <clears throat> they are. And well, I don't my think coin does. doesn't lie. So <laughs> fair. <laughs> I f- and see, like, this is – Western is, is one of those teams that I ride with because I want to see them succeed, right? I just feel like they – look, I'm even wearing purple and yellow right now. <laughs> it's a Vikings tank, but still. Um, I Madison, I actually I'm, thought that was like a, like a third-string jersey that, of Clemson colors or something. Well, the purple. I know that Clemson does the purple. Oh, yeah, but purple and orange. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I think that Western doesn't necessarily know who they are. I just think they've had so much turnover player wise. Like they really haven't had any more than anyone else, but it just seems like, like for me, when we're talking about disappointments. Like I thought Western was going to do better this year. I and I don't think it's a talent issue. Like we said, I just think it's, they just couldn't put it together. Yeah. I think a lot of it has just been their inside game has not, they have great guard play and wing play, and I just they don't get a lot of production in the paint, and I think that's what hurts them. But neither does St. Yeah. Thomas, and so I don't think it's a bad matchup right. for them. So, you know, I can see Dietz and Thorpe and Brownfield going down there and you know going scoring nuts. fifteen to twenty a piece and winning you know winning that game. And I handily, I, yeah. I don't know that I can see you know, more than one or two players from St. Thomas really stepping up their game and carrying the team. And that's the difference for me. Tournament's all about backcourt play and the stars got to come out. If you get a bad game from your good players, you're, you're done. I mean, that's just, that's all it takes. Cause um, it's one game and done there. And if you, you know, show, you don't just move on to the next one. Like that's it. Your season's over. So I think that, the stars come out to play a little bit more. They're a little more experienced. I, I just think that's the difference. Speaking of bad matchups, should we go to the quarters? <laughs> and how oh, this God. game really does not matter because neither one of them is beating SDSU. <laughs> we can debate this game all night long and it really won't matter. 
really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk Sunday. Let's talk uh, twelve thirty USDO. Are you? That's gonna be. Um, I'm hopefully I can get to that one. We got high school hoops Friday, Saturday, but. Um, that's Sunday. That's Sunday. 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 Yeah. No, I know that's. There. I'm just saying the first two days of the tournament, I won't be able to check out any of the games. So I'm looking forward to hopefully going to the Sunday afternoon session, and I think it's a great way to kick it off with, you know, or or are you coming in? What are they? Are they the top scoring team in the conference? I would assume yes. Um, Probably. I I'll think, look it up I while you're talking. They can't be. <laughs> I think um, they have to be. But I think it's a really good matchup. Uh, my pick, you know. Brandon, similar to probably yours, my, my pick in this game is a biased pick. Um, I think USD has shown signs of progressing a little bit to end the season. Um, and you factor in the home crowd in that atmosphere. Um, I think that helps propel them. But that being said, this game also has the potential if USD is cold to ORU win by 10 to 15 points. I think that they're capable of doing that. I really do. So yeah. it's a matter of which um, which shooting team shows up because USD has been there before where they've shot really cold in the Denny Premier Center. Um, they've been lucky sometimes, but other times they've gotten blown out of the water. So it's kind of like uh, the USD men's, which one is going <laughs> to show up. I have confidence that these girls and these women and, and Coach Kayla are going to be prepared for ORU. I think they've had a couple of decent games against ORU this season. Um, but th this one could be a pretty high scoring game if USD can shoot it well. Wouldn't that be something? Um, I would love to see 100. <laughs> ORU is the second. Yeah, SDSU second. still outscores them. Yeah. SDSU 85.4, ORU 79.9. It was that 118 uh, game, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually with you. I think these are two teams that are trending a little bit in opposite directions right now. As scary as ORU is offensively, they haven't played particularly well their last five or six games of the season, and USD has played really well. So for mm -hmm. me, um, I just think it's two teams that are going on a little bit different path right now, um, and you got the home court advantage for USD. It It's going to be, you know – both the USD men and women play on the same. I think they do. I think they do because I think they've been showing up now for about three weeks. And I don't, I think that that. No, the fans, not the team. Oh. <laughs> no, Brandon. I'm just giving them a hard time. Yeah. You know, that is a good question. I've seen, uh, I've seen some empty, empty USD games this year that you're not used to seeing. So, uh, but it's tournament time. It's the weekend. They'll They've got there. a hospitality room. There. They're serving free beer. Well, and I'm, teams will show I'm curious. Up. I only say this about the attendance thing, and I, I'm really curious to see what it looks like because of the new structure they have. I mean, the tickets sold, but where did they go, right? Um, I've never seen this many people, and I know one of the members in our group messaged us about they have session tickets available if anyone wants to buy them. But I've I've seen never seen this many people like, hey, I've got this, or hey, I've, I'm looking to sell one, or I'm looking to sell this, or I'm looking to looking for a session. Oh, I know someone that's selling. I, I don't know if that's a coincidence or just a weird happening this year, but I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like. Cause I don't think USD will have 
those cor- all those corners like they've had in the past. Just like I don't think SDSU is going to have as many in the middle part of the arena as they have in the past. Have, I know yeah. I, I got I ordered my tickets through NDSU this year. This is the first year they've done that now in quite a while because of the restructure of sales and minor in one of the corners. So mm-hmm. I, the NDSU section is in a corner. So, you know, I don't. I think that lower bowl, I think they basically gave each school up to two se- two sections to purchase from. And if they bought them, they bought them. And if they didn't, they didn't. And then they went on sale to the general public. So it'll be interesting to see it. I, I don't, I think it's going to end up being mostly blue and red again, like usual, but yeah. um, the fact that they're still pushing ticket sales surprised me a little bit. Cause I usually by this point, you know, they're trying to decide if they open the upper deck or not kind of a deal. So, well, their single session tickets didn't even go on sale until like three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting, but yeah. I also think like those games that, um, if they, I don't know who the middle, they gave the middle sections to, or if they left them open for the general public, I'm not sure how they did that. Like, let's say they gave the middle sections to like a Western Illinois who doesn't necessarily travel well or has traveled the furthest or like an ORU or, or something Denver. like that. Yeah. Like, all of us are going to move. Yeah. We're just going to pile down. There well, and, and they, I don't, day. if they didn't sell the tickets to the school, they re-release them. So it's not like, to they're this, gonna, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. like, I mean, you're going to have your parent tickets. You're going to have your general fan tickets. And then the rest of that section from maybe five or six rows up is going to be SDSU USD fans kind of a thing. So well, and who knows how they might've done it too, whether clearly there's two, three, stretching it to four fan bases that can show up to these things consistently in a large number. Um, Who knows if on the TV side where the camera faces, if those two sections or four or five sections were given to state you, but I don't know if they would put them on the same side in the chance that they met (laughs) in the semis or quarters or the finals. God forbid the finals. Jesus. Can you imagine those two sections like right next to each other? Like yeah, I don't, and I don't think they can, don't and they, I don't think they can in either bracket. They're both on the same side, so that yeah. that wouldn't happen for the championship oh. game. Well, even the semifinals. Yeah, but um, it would still be nasty. Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't be ideal. But no, and, and I, yeah, I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they're going to rotate it so that the same fans don't get stuck in the same sections every year. I have no idea what the actual process was. I have no clue. But um, I feel like, like you to would welcome have to see Ryan it. Powell of the Summit League now. Yeah, um, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, what'd you do? What Sorry, did you I do, off, Ryan? I got off topic. I have a. I'm I have not going to throw any shade at Ryan because he is great. I have yeah. a Dakota School semifinal. Same. Okay, we haven't even talked about. Well, I guess that means that you're picking North Dakota over Omaha, which I think is the good pick. I do think. Here's here's what I think. I think the um the eight, the seven, the four, and the three are gonna win those games. But at the same time, I think the nine, ten, five, and six could come out of literally nowhere and be like, what you think you're doing? Like this is our house. You know, like I just I just don't know. I just don't know. Speaking of teams that could travel well but their teams haven't been very good this year. I, I'd like Omaha to build a mm-hmm. fan base there. Like they Me are not too. far away, but they don't even, they don't draw particularly well at their home arena either. And so um, I think, I don't know if that's just a 
the product that's on the floor or what's going on. But I mean, they're right up the I-29 corridor. They've, you know, they've been from way back in UNO days, back when everybody was D2. I mean, I feel like they should draw it's all better. About, it's all about winning. And Madison, yeah. this is the, the, I know you give us crap at USD, but look at the, the way the teams were this year, right? It, right. it wasn't right. like, no offense to the guys team. There's a lot of good ball players. It's not exciting. It's it's good basketball when they can make threes, but it's not exciting. The girls' teams of the past have been really exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. This year, lost a lot. New team, they're they're doing as as well as they can be. It's still a good team, but it's not exciting. And so when you have, you know, the twelve and sixteen team or sixteen and twelve team, whatever they are, that's not going to put four thousand people. In an arena, we know that these schools have fans. We know USD has fans. We've seen it at the Summer League tournament. It's just like, you know, and I, I'm probably a hypocrite, but I didn't go to a lot just because with the boys and and stuff going on on Thursdays and Saturdays, wasn't able to make it down there. But like, someone's not going to go out of their way to see a, eh, okay, yeah, they're pretty good. They will go out of their way to see a really exciting team. It's like, all right, if they win this game, they can move into second. They can. You know, here's a like up in Brookings on Saturday. Oral Roberts and SDSU should have been televised. But anyways, like <laughs> right, <laughs> right, that's right, going right. to fill an arena that's not an NDSU or USD because your team's exciting to watch and you've got one of the nation's you know top thirty teams coming in. Yeah. So no, I, I get I, that. My my thing where I get frustrated is. <laughs> I've been experiencing this a lot with Clemson men's basketball um, because people are pissed because Brownell's been here for like eight or nine years and always does just enough not to get fired. Right. That's the issue. (laughs) Like that's what, Mm -hmm. that's how people feel down here. And I would be lying if I said I didn't necessarily feel the same way, but (laughs) I know, I know a fan base that feels that way about their men's basketball coach. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I I've seen people on Twitter like, well, literally we just beat Florida state by how many at home. And then had a really good, just beat NC State incredulously, egregiously on the road. And people are still, like, the second that we're down, they're like, this team sucks. It's effing terrible and this and that. And, like, when I see SDSU fans doing that, when I see USD fans doing that, it pisses me off. It's every fan base. I just, every I, fan I know base it, has that. I hate that. I hate, like, I'm just in this mindset of, like, and the reason I give you guys crap for not going to the game is because, you guys give us crap for being like fair weather football fans or whatever. Oh, it's cold. You can't play football. Like we don't have a dome. Thank you very much. Nor do we want one, but like, it's just, it's that it's, it's a back and forth thing. It's not that I think that you guys suck for not like supporting your team (laughs) who I think sucks for not supporting their team is ORU because that arena was so empty this weekend. And I'm like, do you, I said it in the group chat. Do you guys not realize that you're good? Yeah. Like, do well, you not realize that your team's kind of good pack that and way place better for, than they've they been? They that place for the men's game, so you know Thank there's you. people Thank you, so there. I know that they have fans. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's so – it's just – it's and that's what we're trying to do in the space of women's sports, right? I'm going to, like, try to keep it positive and keep my emotions in check. But, like, when I saw that, when I turned that game on, I was like, bro. But, you know, you guys are I, so I think some of it can been. fall on the marketing department. To, ORU had a post. They were giving away free family four-packs of tickets when NDSU played ORU, like, to pack the place. I didn't see a promotion like that. Medicine for your playoff run in football. It wasn't free, but it was a family of four for, like, 15 bucks a, a right. total. I was yeah. like, yeah, I would go to that game if I was a fan for sure. I mean, why not? Yeah, and that's just – I mean, I did, but I didn't see any – 
ORU women's basketball marketing. So, I mean, where's the balance in that? You know, I, I get it. You want to build the environment for your, you know, undefeated team and whatnot, but how about building the environment for all of your teams? I guess that's kind of, well, and that's how I feel because when they made the coaching change, cause I was so pissed about Missy getting let go. Right. And it's not, it was time. Like, you know, it's, we've obviously seen the change and she'd been there for so long and it just wasn't working. But like they said when they let her go, that they wanted to shift the culture, right? Shifting the culture is not just in the coaching. It's so much. That's a, a small, that's 10% of it. It's, yeah, it's so not just much the coaching. It's not just the Where's, locker room. You need every program. Where's the culture shift? Like I'm yeah. calling the, I'm waving the BS flag on that right now. Where's the culture shift? Show me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I think, I think, and I think NDSU <laughs> has proven that a little bit this year. I still don't think the fan turnout's quite where we want it to get, but I think it's getting closer. And I think Jory's put a better fans. product on the floor and now the marketing team and the local media and everybody started to get behind. I mean, NDSU women's basketball was that dominating program in D2, go D1, have a couple of decent years, and then hire Walseth and the program tanked and everybody completely lost interest in the program. And no mm-hmm. fault to them. It was bad. We had players that didn't belong on D1 rosters and it was, it was ugly. So, you know, you got to earn that back, but um, that's not just on the coach and the players and everything else. That's on the, the program and the university as a whole to, to build that back. When I think as fans too, it's important. And I'm, I'm guilty of doing it once this year is not discouraging, but encouraging fellow fans to go to games. So when it's when it is empty looking, or there's not as many fans there instead of, you know, this is a shame. These you, you should be going. There's no excuse, yada yada, because that's a turnoff. It's like, well, screw you. I'm not going. Nobody like, else is going. Somebody's trying to tell me what to going. do. Yeah, like make it. Right. You have to make it. It's great for marketing and and, but even getting the players to make videos of like, here's the promotion and like honestly, forget about the college students. Like they're the turnout is subpar at most if not all the same and when they do show up they don't really they sit on their hands i mean it's it's been right and and madison you have the rabbit den but those two sections can what fill a couple hundred for most games obviously the bigger games they can expand it but like yeah and the usd is the same way you get less than 100 kids less than 50 kids they used to you know just focus on getting families they're focused on getting young younger fans there that can oh they don't focus on the students at all but that's Our what i'm saying was actually really it poor. needs to stop <laughs> yeah. like don't get the, the students will go if they want like they're right you, or if there's a bunch of free stuff yeah but like the focus Which needs to be is, on how do we get know, how do we get point. the fans to come back you know you had a down year and ndsu i mean you guys that, again sorry but this is on the guy's side like it's been fantastic of packing pack the shack like that's been great and it looks good on TV. Like, I don't know. It seems like attendance has been responding well to that. Yeah. And I, the NDSU give a hell of a lot of credit to Wes Offerman, who handles the NDSU Twitter handle. He's been on fire the second fire. half of the season. Mama made dino nuggets. <laughs> like, or mom made pizza rolls. Yeah. Oh my God. With this, like, Nintendo 64, like, I was dying. It was oh, so great. It was. Yeah, the NBA Jam video. I mean, every he just he'd been crushing it, and they had a lot of good student promotions. Uh, the issue, uh, the students, other than the ORU game, the students show up, 
and then they just kind of sit there and they barely really get into it. And so that's the, I think that's, I would rather see 70 students that are standing and into the game than see 200 students that are just sitting there watching. And so I think that's more what needs to shift a little bit and instead of just getting them to show up, but, but yeah, no, I mean, they've been, they've been killing it. The crowds have been, I'd say about average for NDSU men's basketball in a season where they're competing in the top five. But um, I think down the stretch here, the big draw was people wanting to come see Grant Nelson since he kind of blew up on, you know, national media markets uh, with his NBA prospecting. So uh, I know um, Ross from, from Visor Report had taken a photo um, of the line and some, I think somebody shared it in our chat too. I think JB did. Uh, just of the line of kids that were, I mean, there was probably 70 kids outside of the locker room waiting for Grant to come back out to sign autographs and stuff. So that's fantastic like that, but you need to market that you need to get the fans there um, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's been good. NDSU's attendance is always solid, um, especially once football season ends, it's a little sparse in, in December. Um, but that's just kind of the way it goes. Well, that's also the so like not to get too far into this because it's literally midnight and I need to go to sleep. Um, but the mirrored schedules and the like. Okay, listen, Summit League, I've I've crapped on you for the mirrored schedules, right? I'm moving on. Stop scheduling rivalry games over Christmas break. Seriously, enough. I don't enough. understand it. Ridiculous, dumbest thing you could ever do. What's and the I point? actually am Isn't very there a point of your schedules like it's, it saves money or whatever? It's all about money, money, money. Why are you scheduling the biggest matchups over Christmas? Literally, break? why are we playing? You're NBA instantly, co- you're instantly over? costing yourself 500 fans at minimum. That's so stupid. And you can't tell me that, like, oh, we have to think about the whole league. No, you don't because no one else has a rivalry like we do, and no one else is getting attendance like the Dakota schools. So literally yeah. all you have to worry about is four teams start with making sure that none of those games, um, UND, MDSU, SDSU, USD start with making sure and SDSU, NDSU start with making sure that none of those are over this three, three and a half week period where schools are on holiday winter break, schedule those the first weekend back, like, or the first weekend in February. Like when I was in grad school, we were always playing USD like February 5th, 6th. Mm-hmm. That was a really good time for that. Go back to that and then make the rest of the schedule. I volunteered. I, I volunteered my services. I, I could knock the schedule out for men's and women's basketball, not mirrored, and still have the same travel partners and still do everything and not scheduling those games over break. And I could probably do it in an afternoon. So how the league cannot pour all of these resources into this thing and not get it right is beyond me. Like, Ridiculous. Also, can we talk about the people on Twitter who are like, like when we're like, oh, make sure you watch the men's game, the women's game, blah, 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 whatever. Like, make sure I, – I think it happened to, to a response to my tweet from the podcast account. I was like, make sure you tune into women's basketball last weekend, whatever. Somebody replied – I'm not going to drop their name, but a person that regularly pisses me off replied and so was like, hard to, do, <laughs> hard to do when the schedules are mirrored. So you basically just told me that you never watch women's basketball because the schedules are mirrored. Get off my feed. Like, don't but want like, you here. But that's <laughs> – like, I hate it because I – I'm I season ticket holder for both. So I attend every game that I can. And when I'm attending a game, I cannot watch the other game that's happening the at the game. same time. So I sit there and I turn off, I'll turn off my phone. So I don't interact with other fans or anything else because I don't want 
results spoiled for me. So I go home after that game and then I go try to find the replay of the opposite game that was happening. And then I sit up till midnight watching that when I get home and it sucks. It's a miserable experience as a fan. Like the, th- yeah. the Thursday ones, like here and Brandon, to your point, like I'm willing to meet in the middle if we can stagger the times. I don't know how you do it on a Thursday. You can't, you can't on a Thursday. Thursday like, I can get over. I can but get over Saturdays. Thursday. But if we can go yeah. Saturday like 11, 1, 3, 5, and 7, or hell, even every hour, like 11, 12, 1, 2. Like boom. let me catch the first half and then I'll, yeah, like something. Well, and Because I mean, Saturday night there's always your... other stuff going on. Like if you want most eyes – on the Summit League game Saturday night, not going to lie, most fans that are even fans of the team, if Duke and North Carolina are playing that Saturday night or Kansas, Texas Tech, unless they're dual screening it, they're not watching Oral Roberts play North Dakota State unless yeah. they're – Well, okay. also, I mean, it has to be on TV first, so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's true. Well, but, like, I mean, goal, goal – and I don't even care, like, I do a little bit about, like, the men's or the women's being scheduled at the same time. But schedule the men's and women's opposite times, at least. So, if you play your men's game at Great 2 point. o'clock in the afternoon and your women's game at 7 o'clock at night or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock or whatever. Just so that a fan of the team can attend a game and watch the game live and f- flip-flop. I mean, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I, I love it when there were a couple times where we had you know, a one o'clock, a four o'clock and a seven o'clock. And it was awesome. Didn't happen very often. Usually when there was mm-hmm. scheduling conflict that forced them to schedule it that way. Or when they do it as like the USC, SCSU, they'll do a one and seven yep. or a one and six. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know. But no, it's for annoying. me, the fix to me is I still want Thursday, doubleheader Saturday, Monday for the women's game. But I will be more than happy and satisfied just to move women's games to Friday and Sunday instead of Thursday and Saturday, and you don't have to change anything else. Like, just don't put it on the same night. Like, how hard is that? I don't – and it doesn't – it affects absolutely yeah. nothing because it's not like your facilities team is there two days in a row because the men are at home and the women are on the road or vice versa. So you don't – Well, and I know there's the, like, missing class argument, but honestly, like – Listen, the professors at most Summit League schools are awesome. Like, it's a, it's a good conference to be in athletically and academically. And I can tell you, I teach a Tuesday-Thursday class. I have a women's basketball player here at Clemson in my class. Has literally missed, like, I don't know how many weeks we are into the semester. Seven or eight, because we're at midterm. Has missed at least four Thursdays, if not five. Or well, left early. If so, like, the- it, don't tell me about, like, it's we can't miss that much school. Yes, you can. Well, and if like, you, if you move the it. women to Friday and Sunday... You don't leave till Thursday instead of Wednesday. So you miss one less day the week before, and then you just miss Monday traveling Right, back. but then you're so probably you going to miss Monday. Yeah. You don't miss any additional time. It's the same amount of time. It's just a different right. day of the week. So right. it doesn't it, – in that point, it doesn't matter. So – and if you do the doubleheader situation, you miss even less time. So if you play the right. men's game Thursday, you have a doubleheader on Saturday, and you play the women's game on Monday – yeah, I know the doubleheader's money. I, I get it. But honestly... Well, and it's it's a facilities thing, too. I know that ever since they moved away from that, like I know that facilities, people do not want to go back to that. But 
It's a lot of things. I don't know, but we all hate it. Just so but it's still knows. not more. I mean, yeah, it's a facilities thing, but it's not. You're not going to put in more than an eight hour day. I mean, it's still a. It's not a. It's not a three hour day, but it's not like Correct. you're asking people to work twelve hours. Listen, I played trumpet for five hours on Saturdays. <laughs> we used to do the double headers, and I sucked it up, and I enjoyed it. So everyone else can. Well, that's why you're so cocky. You're a trumpet player. Thanks for attending today's Reaching the Summit <laughs> podcast episode. Oh my gosh. But, okay, but, let's do championship predictions and get out of here because I literally teach at 9.30 and it's already like tomorrow. Oh, that gives you like eight hours of sleep. You're fine. I still have to lesson prep and like, oh my gosh. I have to be All like... Right, so I have NDSU going to the championship game. And then Score. I have NDSU losing in the championship game. So how's everyone else's bracket look? Score. Do you have a score? Do I score exactly yeah. the same? Because I'm a homer, and I think NDSU gets there. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. Brandon brought this up about a half hour ago when we were talking about, the about <laughs> talking about games in the tournament. <laughs> um, the player, the the experienced players, and the ballers they show up, and if Casey can show up, then I think UND goes past North Dakota State. But she's going to need some help. I just think NDSU, top to bottom, is going to be ready. And that's all I have. Because I didn't have a coin when I was doing this prediction. So I think as much as Casey needs to show up, she needs to show up knowing that it is not all on her. She does have help. Yep. Because when we yep. see Casey overcommit, this is why Casey was not my player of the year. When we see Casey overcommit and go too hard, she gets really inconsistent. And it just happened too many times this year for me to be like, okay, you're the player of the year. I'm not knocking her at all. She's an extremely talented player, clearly one of the best in the league. But for me, it was just the inconsistency. So I think she needs to not go too hard, not show up too much. For me, I have SDSU 81, North Dakota 67. <laughs> not. Not NDSU. Not NDSU. You're funny. <laughs> I uh, I think I think it'll be SDSU NDSU, but I think by that point NDSU will be a little bit out of gas, and SDSU will have coasted, and it'll probably be about a thirty point game. I'd say eighty eight to sixty somewhere in that range. I don't. Wow. I don't oh, you want my prediction? So oh, I'm I the see. only the, the score prediction for the championship. All right, I'll put I'm it. the only UND, and I'm the only like mildly close. I'm going to yeah. say SDSU 82, NDSU 59. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that NDS, if NDSU and UND match up, that's going to be a battle. It's going to go down to it, and I think it's going to take a lot out of both teams because yeah. neither one of the teams is <coughs> – NDSU will play 10 players, but they're not talent deep necessarily 10 players. They, they drop off a little bit after that first eight. So if they have to go deeper into the rotation, they're going to start – to fall off a bit. And so I um I I think NDSU will win the two games, but I, I think they're gonna have not much left in the tank for that third night. And I think it's about matchups too. So you know I think it's a twenty plus game if North Dakota State plays um SDSU. But if UND makes it, I'll throw it out there. Let's go SDSU 78, North Dakota 72. No. Oh, you think it's going to be that? 78. Close? What did I say? 78, 62. Yeah. 
Okay, I was gonna, that's about what I I went eighty one sixty seven. Yeah, I um. Okay. Yeah. I think I think UND doesn't match up well with I I was surprised they got NDSU even at at UND this year. Obviously, it was a good game, but NDSU didn't play very well. But Abby Schulte can mm-hmm. defend Casey pretty well, um, and L Evans that can move her to Orth or whoever they need to move her to. Um, you know, to make the the matchups work. And as long as Banky stays out of foul trouble, they should win. That's she's been very inconsistent and struggled to stay on the court. But when she's out there, the team is significantly better. So she's been inconsistent or the zebras have been inconsistent. (laughs) The zebras have been consistently terrible all season. So yeah, it's, uh, it's one of, one of the, too but yeah there was she had one it's like women's basketball wide oh there she there had, were a couple she had one on saturday that was she was literally standing there both hands straight up waiting for the contact player jumped into her and threw the ball off the side of the backboard and they called a foul on her and i'm like yeah i don't i don't know what just because she's six three and eight inches taller than the other person at the foul on her like i don't get how that works but yeah, i don't remember i don't remember what really... game i told you text you guys but i put it in group chat i went to it was ndsu and somebody at, and it was in fargo and both ways it was it was hard to watch it was wasn't it ndsu oru it was right after that kansas city game last week that one was bad but it wasn't as bad as wasn't as one. bad no, as this one. the other one saint had like what's that was it saint, saint thomas, thomas? might have been saint thomas um saint thomas or God, it, no, I thought they were talking about it in the guys' chat too about all the flopping for St. Thomas, and then you were talking about the girls. That was game. the men, that was the men's game, but yeah, the the women's game. Oh, oh it was Western. It was the Western Illinois game. Uh, same weekend, yeah. That uh, it. I think both teams had like I don't remember what the total amount of fouls. It was like fifty. 54 fouls or something in the game like so it was there was just a game at the beginning awful. of the year i put out i put out a twitter poll because i and i texted you guys in the group chat and i was like is 49 a disgusting amount of fouls because it feels like a lot and like it, and that was three weeks into the season and it wasn't like i get it if they're fouls like if you got to call it you got to call it but they're calling like illegal screens when the player's not moving they're calling blocks Correct. and blocks when there's they're calling hand checking like it it was just and they're i calling get pass interference and i they're get in the wrong that sport. you have to adjust but you can only adjust you still have to play basketball like you can't correct you can't just not play defense and that is pretty and much for, for a league that is not we've heard it from jc hoyt um i think we actually heard it from kelsey music or someone else too um about this league being more um more strategic, higher IQ, more intelligent skill set basketball rather than physical. Like it's still physical, it's still basketball. But and Chrissy Posey said that in in volleyball as well. Um, coming over from the where they came over from the WAC. Um, and then do we have a coach that came from the Big Sky? I can't remember who. I wouldn't know who. If we I did. don't know. Somebody was talking about the Big Sky. But anyway, point being that the Summit League is not as physical as other leagues. Well, UND so like, came. For me, UND joined the league from the Big Sky, so maybe that was. You know what? Yes, that's who it was. Yes. So, um, for me, in a league that we know is not as physical, where are these fouls coming from? Like, I just, I just don't get it. And I think women's basketball as a whole, 
this year has just been really bad as far as is, is that or women's roughing I should say um and that's a whole nother podcast whole nother conversation but there were some Clemson games this year that Clemson has been really bad as far as refing. I literally watched a girl get a foul called on her and she, I kid you not, was five feet away from the girl that they called that they said she touched. Well, it was and just I was the, like, I don't know what the ORU game. They called a foul on Hannah Cooper and she ended up with, it was, they called it and they called it a number two and she, it went to her third foul and she stayed in the game and all of a sudden like, Two minutes later, the coaching staff looked up at the scoreboard and saw that she has three fouls and was like, what the hell is going on? And it was supposed to be on 21, I think, supposed to be on Ruthie or whatever. And they called it on Cooper and they had to go back and review and like, it was this whole ordeal. And it's like, how, how are we calling so many fouls that we don't even know what number? Like, why are we even like, at this point? What, what's going on? Correct. So, yeah, Correct. I, I, it's, um, been, the- it's not been great for the men, but it's been significantly better than it has been for the women's Worse. games. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the Clemson game a couple weeks ago, they literally, we came out of a timeout and I don't know what, they called a foul before the timeout. And I don't know if our girls thought it was a shooting foul. We came out of the timeout. One of our girls goes to the line. This was not a shooting foul. Shoots two free throws. And then after the game, they were like, oh, I guess we let them shoot free throws. Like the, like the refs literally just let us shoot free throws that we were not supposed to shoot. Like, where are we at? The point. ref with I the just, ball like, in the middle kind of, of the stuff? court, like that's their job is to know the play when they come Correct. back. <laughs> it's not a Halloween costume. Please do your job. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get out of here. It's literally 1215 in the morning. We have a two hour podcast and I'm honestly pretty excited about it. So thank you guys for joining me, Brandon Gaffrey, Jordan Decker. Um, we will all be in Sioux Falls. We may not all be there at the same time. We will all get there at some point. This weekend, I get in on Thursday, so I'm super excited. I'll be there come Friday to the around five. Awesome, JD. Sunday, you be around Sunday. Um, I'll be back. I'll be available Saturday night, Sunday, Monday. Billy Tuesday frogs. Night. I talk yeah. about Billy frogs like I'm a reg. I just have never heard of it or seen it. Or Literally, only it. been there yeah, three okay. times, and I feel like I've been there my whole life. So I've been there four <laughs> times, and I don't remember a single one of them. You probably oh sang gosh. some karaoke at some point. Brandon. I did. I remember singing. I, I remember singing weekend? last year. That's for sure. But okay, can we? Are we doing karaoke? You can do karaoke. I. You're will, not doing karaoke. I will probably have enough adult beverages to do karaoke. There's a okay, great. I will wait chance. for that point, and then I'll go after you. Um, as long as there's no cameras, awesome. I will do karaoke. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, get Jordan oh my down. Gosh. He's well, doing thank Come you Sail Away so for much. the fifth time tonight. Get him off. <laughs> I love Come Sail Away. Cute. Okay. Um. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. We're going to get off the podcast and go to bed. We'll see you on Friday-ish. Hey, we'll watch our, let's watch our predictions burn up in the wind on this weekend. That'll be great. Yeah. Got it We're all going to wake up <laughs> with big colored... It's colored afros. Uh, We're all going to be clowns. Or you beat USD um, on the men's side. Have a great night, guys. Bye. Later. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to stay on the summit. <laughs>